I'm Kevin. And I'm Jose. And this is Music for Your Eyes. A podcast about music videos that we love, hate, and should have been made. Uh, and this week we're talking about a music video that I love. <laughs> we're talking about the creme de la creme of white boy pop. My son Sean Mendez's music, music video for Lost in Japan. Can't get you off my mind you got plans tonight. I was hoping I could get lost in your paradise. Let's get lost tonight. Let's get lost tonight. I can't seem to get you off my mind. Um, Lost in Japan by Shawn Mendes. And actually... Wow, we're getting into it. Okay, let's get into this. And technically, Mm -hmm. we're going to be real technical, because we're technical here. We're fun, loose, and technical. It's our motto. (laughs) Um, It is the Lost in Japan original plus remix is the music video we're going to be talking about today. Which, thank God they did. It was way more fun with Zed. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong mm-hmm. opinion. But we're going to mm-hmm. we're gonna work through that together. I mm-hmm. love... And what about it? I can remember where I was when I heard Lost in Japan for the first time. And it was a very emotional and beautiful moment for me. I didn't need the remix. The remix is fun, but I didn't need it. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Shawn Mendes is like drinking a Diet Pepsi of Justin Timberlake. Oh! <gasps> Oh my god! <laughs> oh, but wow. he can't dance. That was, so <laughs> not yet. He can't. You know, but he'll play a guitar. So he, I'll give him that. He does. And now, and now, Timberlake's trying to play the guitar. You can't forget oh, that. God, Timberlake yeah, didn't no. play instruments for a long time, other than beatboxing. I don't see it for her. And Mendez, he plays at least one instrument, maybe more than one. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, he plays with your heart. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? And, he, and he's really he's the cute Ed Sheeran. Uh, uh, think about it oh kind of nice wedding music play the guitar uh, yeah no i just kind of feel bad for ed sheeran Jeez, he's kind of cute oh my gosh he's kind of cute oh okay i'll give that to you i'll give that to you i think the only reason that you um not tolerate that you enjoy this music video is because sean mendez being cute carries this whole damn thing you you got my essential like opinion about him in one in one sentence. Yes. But you pointed out something about this music video that I was like truly jaw dropped when you pointed it out. Because I watched it and I really enjoyed it because I had said like, oh, I want to do an episode talking about that I think this music video should have been made. Because this song came mm-hmm. out like six or seven months ago. And I have mm-hmm. always had the clearest image in my head of what the music video should be. And then a music video comes out, and I actually really enjoyed it. I was like, oh my god, it was the right vibe, it was campy, it was fun, it was like yeah, the vibe. musical, it yeah. moved fast. And then you're like, it's a ripoff of Lost in Translation. <laughs> I was like, do you, do you, do you want to hear how I like discovered that? <laughs> Tell me how you discovered I, that. I didn't look for it online. I watched it. So I watched the music video, and I go... Here we go. Why people discovering themselves around Japanese people. And I like I was so annoyed by that. I was like, why is it that like other like when people of another nationality are like background to a white person's like video? They're e It already it already irked me. It was already irking me. Mm-hmm. And then like later that day, it didn't leave my mind where I was like, God damn, like I've seen this somewhere else where I got really I got equally upset. Where was that from? And then I literally looked the video again and I went, oh, this is Lost in Translation. The okay. whiskey scene I, had me... That was when I went, oh, it's Lost in Translation. Okay, when did you watch Lost in Translation? 
Um, it was a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. Because I had never seen Lost in Translation, mm, and it's a fifteen-year-old mm. movie. So I was like, "Well, I, I, I never saw the movie." It's I oh yeah, like, no one could blame you. No one would blame you for not knowing it. So why Absolutely. did you? Why did you watch it a year and a half ago? Um, I had this kick of watching movies where I've heard people talk about it repeatedly, and I also. I also really enjoy Sofia Coppola in some films. I also really enjoy like composition in films, like the that, way like things good, are shot. Si- yeah, the good cinematography, like a very intentional uh, movie visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kept hearing, and I, and I mean, one of my favorite films is The Shining, and just because, like, not just because it's a classic horror, but because the way it's shot, mm-hmm. it takes its time Stanley to Kubrick. set the scene. Yep, Kubrick knows he's a master of setting the scene. And someone had told me that Lost in Translation had a very similar approach to giving time to setting the scene. And I think it did. I mean, Lost in Translation. Okay, so um, if you also didn't see Lost in Translation, it came out in 2003, uh, directed Mm -hmm. by Sofia Coppola, uh, starring Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. And you said to me, oh, this is a ripoff of Lost in Translation. And I was like, oh, I want to do an episode about it. (laughs) I went and I did my homework and I watched Lost in Translation. You sure did. And and just for quick synopsis, we'll explain the video, but quick synopsis of what Lost in Translation is. Well, if you explain what Lost in Translation is, you've explained what Lost in Translation <laughs> is about because they are mirrors of each other. Cinematography-wise. No, Jose, all of it. The whole thing. Not the is, mood. I don't think the mood is the not, same. You're right. We'll get to that. You're co- completely correct. Okay. Right, explain what Lost in Translation is about. I basically... Help me out here because I can't even remember the film that well. But Bill Murray in the film is he's like this tired movie actor that isn't, you know, getting as many roles and he's is in his midlife crisis and he just plays a very tired person. Yeah, and he super go, tired. And they, I guess they pay him a lot of money to do a commercial if he went to Japan. Two million dollars to film a whiskey commercial. They say that. He says that to Scarlett Johansson at some point. Two million like, being, for a whiskey commercial. Two million dollars for a whiskey commercial. And so he basically goes to Japan and it's a lot of people catering to him in Japan. Um, all I can remember is that that man was just unhappy most of the time because he's just having an existential, you know, crisis within himself. And I mean, basically, there's... There's not a lot to remember in Lost mm-hmm. in Translation plot-wise. Right. Because it's just like he's there and he's a movie star. He's filming this. And he's like really sad. And he and his wife are always getting on the phone. Oh, like yep. having kind mm-hmm. of a very clipped argument about <laughs> like you don't really know what. Um, And then Scarlett Johansson is there with her husband who's a photographer. But he's like gone every day to mm-hmm. go oh, photograph yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. she's like left by herself in the hotel where Bill Murray is also staying. So they just run into each other and just like pass the time together. And most of this movie is like no talking. Mm-hmm. It's stillness. It's beautiful scenes. I mean, the script is like, I don't know. The script is supposed to be like one page per minute of the movie. And the movie's like uh, 93 minutes long or something. Mm-hmm. I just watched it so I know. It might be a script of, like, 40 pages. There's very minimal dialogue. There's not a lot of action that happens. So when you say, like, people told you it's, like, a visual movie, like, the cinematography's great, it is. Not a whole lot of writing in it. Not a whole lot. Right. No, that's exactly it. Just not. It's a mood. It's all about the mood of, of like, how he's, how his environment is, is reflected of what he's feeling. 
Exactly. That he's lo- he lost in translation. That he like oh. doesn't know where he is in his life. What's Back going on with title. his career? How does he feel about his wife? And he's also in this place where everyone caters to him, but he kind of feels awkward about it. Mm. Yeah, that that that's all, folks. And how does you know how does Shawn Mendes remix on it? It is just a shot for shot visual remake, and I am. There is a video online that you can watch if you just put in, like, Lost in Japan, Lost in Translation, that actually, like, um, cuts the two of them back to back to show you that everything from the first opening shot to the very end is literally, there's not a single shot in this music video that isn't a shot from Lost in Translation originally. And not a suggestion that it's the same shot. Like, they imitate the wallpaper. Mm -hmm. They have Mm Sean Mendes in the same clothing. Mm-hmm. Like, th- like I, I was kind of convinced that they must have gone to the hotel where this was filmed and the place where it was filmed. Because I was like, this is so perfect. Like, this can't be on a set somewhere. They had to actually, like, find these places. And as far as I can tell, it was completely recreated. And it wasn't, like, shot in that hotel. And it wasn't shot in the same places. But they just had, like, a crazy attention to detail. But... The thing we were talking about is like, all right, there's not a lot of plot to Lost in Translation. And what plot there is, it's like two people kind of sad mumping around in Japan for a while. And Lost in Japan is not a song about that. Not at all. Not at all. And it it is. I think that's and I think that's right that it is shot. Like, I can't believe how it was shot for shot when I watched it. When I watched that video that you had sent me that, you know, the video for homework, I couldn't believe how much of the shots were replicated. I thought it was just, like, five scenes. It's the whole dang thing. No, the whole thing. Actually, the guy in that comparison, there's one half-second blip where he literally just flashes up on the screen. He's like, this might be the only original shot in this music video. (laughs) And it is, like, a half-second shot. This music video is so fun because it's not subtle. Like, it... It, no. Like Sean, it's it's very aware of how implausible it all is that Shaman is just like is I mean he's lip syncing in the elevator with the other people and he just keeps like looking over at the girl and catching her eye. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're like we're not pretending he's like really meeting at her in an elevator. This is like a fake world. Doesn't he doesn't he look too happy to be there? Like the thing like Sean also in this music video he's just happy to be here. Like he's not oh. even contemplative <laughs> even if he tried to be because he's so like baby faced that everything just looks like him like a like a you know a wide-eyed dog excited to be there and like kind of happy to be wherever he is like which is not the vibe of the blossom translation but i love it anyways because the song isn't that you know, oh it's, right it's like hey i'm here in japan want to come meet me up let's get lost you know it's like uh, it, let's get, no let's get lost in the fun sense i mean that's the fascinating thing is like it's like lost in translation. That whole thing has like a lot of levels of like existentially and in their mm-hmm. marriages and in this country. We're lost in Japan. The song is like it's fun. It's like we are separated in this place, and I can't mm. stop thinking about you. So if I can get to Japan and we can be lost together, that is amazing. Mm. Like you'd rather be lost together than know where you are separately. A hundred percent. And that whole premise of, like, what is lost, good or bad, just kind of fuels that, like, how this music video is so fun. Like, meeting this girl, there's not the baggage of, like, oh, you have a husband, I have a wife. It's like, it's like, oh, my God, you're the person I've been waiting for. Like, you're the person I want to meet. Mm. So meeting in this hotel can be, like, joyful and spirited and kind of mischievous versus Lost in Japan, which is sort of, like, 
the two of them like looking at each other across the bar being like, you're miserable, I'm, they can't sleep. I mean, that's kind of the joke of all of Lost in Translation, is they just keep going, can you sleep? I can't sleep. Whereas mm-hmm. Lost in Japan, it's like, they don't want to sleep. You know, they just want to have fun. Yo, you got the mood just right. That's exactly it. Those, those are the two parallels right there. Yeah. And so it's really, it's, but then it isn't it kind of remarkable that you can take those identical visuals that people say, like, ground the movie and this contemplative feeling mm-hmm. and this serious feeling and this kind of existential feeling. You can use those shots in the same order mm-hmm. and make it a rom-com. And make it a rom-com. Absolutely. Do I think it's like easier to make it a roar of a rom-com? Yes. Do I still think it's very impressive? Absolutely. And it just kind of speaks to like in any kind of visual storytelling medium, music videos or movies or TV shows, like the visuals are a part of it that make it separate from like a song or a podcast or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're not... They can actually be separated away from the whole, at least in this case. Like, Mm -hmm. you think you watch a movie and you're like, oh, well, this movie is, it's a visual medium. You see it on an enormous screen. People love cinematography. That's what defines so many movies. Mm -hmm. But you can actually pull it off for parts from a movie. Just be like, cool, I don't like the feeling of this movie and I don't like the dialogue. But can I just take all of the scenes and I'm just going to put, like, this cute Canadian boy. I subscribe. I, I like this. I like how you've, like, interpreted its success in that manner. I also would say small, small, um, what do you call it? Uh, caveat. Uh, small caveat. Skull, like, um. Problem with me. No, no, no. Fight. Not problem with you. Not fight. I'm trying to say Discord. the word. What's the word for when I want to, like, go off co- off course, off track? Uh, sidebar? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Sidebar. <laughs> sidebar. <laughs> Oh, thank you. That was really that was really bothering me. So, small sidebar: you can definitely tell in a music video when someone in the music video is just purely the singer, and someone who is in it that's also an actor. Um, you know what go I mean? On. Go on, go <laughs> on, go on. Not that I think Shawn Mendes is bad in acting in this. I think he's fine. But I like have seen. I saw some music video with Selena Gomez. Oh, it was back to you. It was Selena Gomez and her love interest is an is a. Her love interest is a model, and she does a fantastic job in acting. She is wonderful. She goes through a range of emotions. The model, her love interest, awful, awful. I don't even remember. Oh, I can't wait for the next. I can't wait for an episode where we talk about that because it is just. Okay, that's my sidebar. But basically, but I think okay. So so that's actually really funny you bring that up because the remix is done by Zed, Mm -hmm. and Zed is in the music video. Did you realize that? Oh yeah, he's a cameo though. He's just there to dance at the karaoke. He's in the he's in the karaoke room, and it's funny. I watched this really brief behind the scenes thing. And it's like Sean Mendes is talking. He's like, "Oh, Zed just got here, and we're about to film the karaoke scene." <laughs> and, like, the, and the director and the director comes in. He's talking to everyone. He's like, "Everyone's gonna sing karaoke. We're gonna film it. It's gonna be super fun." Ba ba ba. And the girl, she, God, I wish I could remember her name. She uh, is is like talking to Sean Mendes, and she's like, she's like, "What are the words to this song?" Like she's so nervous, she's gonna forget the words <gasps> that she's like making Sean Mendes sing them to her, and. Um, Zed is there, and the guy's like, and the guy's like, oh, and Zed's gonna sing? And Zed's like, no, I really don't have to. And the director, whose name is Jay Martin, and he's directed a good number of music videos, but they're actually mostly Shawn Mendes music videos. 
Um, he's like, no, Zed, you're gonna sing too. You're not gonna get a, get a, get out of this or something. And you could tell Zed, who like English isn't Zed's first language, but he's like, you know, speaks English perfectly he's like, fine. No. He's like, no, I don't have to. But that's that whole thing of like, are you an actor? Are you a singer? Are you just a model? Like, what's your role? Yo, in this Zed's life? a DJ. Zed's like, I just fucking made. He's a producer. He's like, I made this song. Y'all invited me here just to be in it. Don't ask like, me for who- more. Yeah, he's like, please leave me alone. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't want anything to do with this, sir. I'm just fine. All right. So I also, when we were, like, doing, when I was doing my homework, I was looking for other music videos that were based off of movies. Mm, mm. And the one that came vividly to mind, once I looked it up, there's a lot of lists about these. Mm-hmm. But the only one that I was like, I've seen the movie, seen the music video, Duh. Fancy by Iggy Azalea and Charlie XCX. Clueless. The era of Igloo Australia. Uh, yes. It's so brief. And I still remembered a lot of words. I felt bad about that. Good old Igloo. Um, um, yeah. But you want to know what the big, my big problem with that music video is though? Oh, what? Who are the two main characters in Clueless? Oh, don't ask me. I, I'm bad at... Uh, 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 Chanel? Cher. Fuck. Chanel, Cher. Uh-huh. And her best friend is Dion. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no Dion in the music video. Because Charlie XX is white and Dion is black. So Charlie XX is cast as Brittany Murphy's character in the music video. And there is a black girl in the music video, but she's not featured as much as Dion is an integral part to Clueless. Uh, and so for that reason, this is an Are there any original rebuff. actors in in the music video from the movie? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think I so. think I heard about that. About what? About, like, an original actor being in the fancy music video. Oh, maybe they were and I just missed it somehow. Oh, I mean, I... Now I really want to look this up. Oh, maybe there is. Oh, that would be very interesting. Hold but up. the other examples that came up were actually, um, do you remember the Iggy Azalea and Rita Ora song Black Widow? Oh, like a black widow, baby. That one? Apparently that music video was a Kill Bill uh, homage. And then there is wow. Madonna's Material Girl is a Gentleman Prefer Blondes starring <gasps> Marilyn Monroe homage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The pink one, the one she's in pink. Yeah, she's in pink. Oh, color. yeah. That, that's another one. That's a I've never genius. Seen that one. That's a genius one. I kind of, I like wanted to watch them, but then I was sort of like, wait, if I haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to appreciate the thing that I want to appreciate in them. Mm. Which is why I sat down and I watched Lost in Translation, because I was like, oh my god, every scene is the exact same. But there's a ton. I mean, Jay-Z and Beyonce had a song, Bonnie and Clyde, and the music video is based on the yeah. movie, yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. Um, then there are other ones. There was like one list that listed Bastille's Pompeii as a reference to The Shining. And because you love The Shining, please go watch it. I think there's zero things in common other than there's like two girls who turn around and are spooky looking. And I think that's the only thing they have in common. So some of these lists were a little janky. You have feelings, though, about what's the difference between an homage and theft and plagiarism because... The one I haven't brought up yet is Countdown by Beyonce. Oh. Which large parts of it 
are there's like visual references to Funny Face starring Audrey Hepburn, and then there's whole dance sequences that are taken from a uh, Dutch choreographer. I think her name is like Anne Therese de something the maker. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. De, de Verne maker. It's Dutch, so I wouldn't say it right even if I could remember it. And where in the case of Lost in Japan and Lost in Translation, everyone's like, well, clearly that's a reference to Lost in Translation. And everyone's like kind of fine with it. But Beyonce kind of got some shit for like maybe stealing all of that material from mm-hmm. that woman because that movie was 50 years old and it was Dutch or Belgian. It might have been Belgian, actually, the choreographer. Um, so what do you think about that? Um, come to my corner. Come sit down on this on this fluffy couch because I have things to say. Tell me. <laughs> spill the tea. So I thought about this all day. I was like, oh, like, Kevin makes a good point. Because listeners, like, he had, you you had mentioned Beyonce and um, Countdown, which is one of my favorite music videos. So I'm, you know, I'm a fierce Beyonce It is a really amazing fan. music video. So I, like, sat with all that information. And, like, I've come up with, like, a theory to the difference between being derivative of an original versus paying an homage. And I even looked up some fair use, <laughs> fair use copyright law. Go for it. Because Absolutely. I wanted to like get like a language around this that made sense. So basically for somebody to like sue you for copyright, like you'd have to legitimately like, let's say, um, copy their exact artwork, copy their exact design, like, and use it for your own benefit or your own profit. Right. That's a pretty easy concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where fair use and like copyright get really complex is when you maybe use or feel inspired by one's work or use their artwork but then in quotations which is very loose you are adding to the conversation whether culturally or academically right yeah so i mean it's like that's why parody i think there's a lot of comedies been done around the only way you can use like the beatles mm-hmm. songs in a movie is if you make fun of the beatles song it, Right, exactly. So comedy can be sometimes can be and parody can be a great way to use pieces of art that are otherwise off limits. It's it's how Bart Baker, who like makes the most annoying parody YouTube videos, but can pull it off because you're at it's not slander. You're adding to the conversation. You're making public, you know, like contributions to comedy, which I think we would all agree this this podcast can't exist if we can't. Right. This podcast wouldn't exist. That's what I thought about today, too. I was like this this whole thing that you and I are doing would be shut down. Because it, it'd be legitimately, even playing five seconds of a song would be considered, you know, you know, illegal. So I then thought about, okay, like now to put on this lens, like if I watch a music video, is it, if it uses a previous like, you know, work, is it adding to the conversation? Um, and then secondly, like, is it old enough or kind of culturally renowned enough that it's like fair game to use because it's, it's. It's so influential. Obviously, music has an expiration date for when it become, becomes officially public for people to utilize. Like, I think there's like a limit. Like, what is it? Like, fifty it's years? Eighty years? Eighty? Years. I, no, it's it's old. It's, okay. I think it's like eighty years, and then it goes into the public domain. Yes, there it is. And honestly, Flowrider was like using samples left and right from whatever became part of public You've domain. Been my <laughs> right, round, right, round, like a record, baby, record, baby, down. So. I thought about this in relation to Lost in Translation slash Lost in Japan. I think, again, Lost in Translation should probably be giving, like, like honestly, Sean Mendes doing that video is, like, a big commercial for Lost in Translation. If anything, Lost in Translation producers or those who are getting royalties from it should be really happy 
because it's bringing the movie back into like a cultural recognition, right? Well, and, here was my weird point I made is that that movie is 15 years old and some of Shawn Mendes' fans are younger than that movie. <laughs> 12-year-olds. Oh, absolutely. So that that's one. And then two, I think like it doesn't... It, it, it it also it does it so well like the the video is done so well that it doesn't even seem to make a mockery or feel like awful like to have borrowed the concepts from lost in translation it's not a cheap ripoff it's it is not a very expensive ripoff very expensive I mean, really like go online and like watch i mean watch lost in translation watch lost in japan but there is that video that plays them side by side and i said i was watching the, the video earlier today and i was like He's wearing a yellow t-shirt and Bill Murray wears a yellow t-shirt in everything. this exact scene. Everything down to the T. So like so there's a level of like you're really paying your dues to mm-hmm, the original that mm-hmm. I kind of respect versus like you're clearly not trying to get away with something. It's like, this isn't right. sneaky. There's it's nothing sneaky about it. It's so and that's really what I want to say that it, like it's really adding to a conversation partly because you're in awe of how exact the cinematography is. And it, it's bring, it's alluding to something that did so much for, I guess, film. Um, I wouldn't say Lost in Translation maybe, like, changed film. But I think it, you know, it definitely... But it's a movie that you and I have heard of. I mean, it's a yeah. 15-year-old movie. It's a but good if film. Someone, but, but if you mention Lost in Translation to a lot of people, they'll be like, oh, I saw that when it came out, or I remember that, or I say it in a film class. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's become, like, an academic staple of that genre of movie. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, like, a movie person, like a right. scholar or anything like that, but I think it is a significant film that's sort of part of, like, the public canon of film. Exactly. Instances. Oh, exactly. And then I think if we move into, we'll get to Beyonce last. I, I think the second for Fancy, it, it's, it also feels like they probably had an agreement to do, like, they, they were okayed to do Clueless. Something tells me that, you know, the music group and the director behind it you know we're in on it do you Um, think they have to i don't know i i honestly don't know but i will say that it because in music you do because there's actually been a lot of interesting cases Mm. of um what was it it was robin thick and pharrell were sued by like marvin Gaye's estate oh really for steal i don't know if it was marvin Gaye. it could have been someone else that blurred lines they said stole a part stole like the melody or something the from hey, like hey, a hey. Marvin Gaye song, and they lost. They actually lost their case, and they had to pay royalties to Marvin Gaye's estate. And I think wow. Sam Smith with "Stay with Me," um, the "Stay with Me," yeah, was I think it was. Oh gosh, I'm gonna get it wrong. It's um, Tom Petty or whoever sings, and I won't back down. Oh. Shawn Mendes was sued for stealing three notes. I mean, for stealing a three-note melody wow. that makes up the chorus and the name of the song. I think they actually I even, lost. I didn't even know about that. So and, in, then, so and then Taylor Swift had to call Right Said Fred, like, the week before Look What You Made Me Do came out. Oh, yeah. And, actually, oh, yeah. and they did that anonymously, actually. Her people called Right Said Fred and were like, we represent someone who's a major female mm-hmm. pop star who hasn't made music in a while and they're going to release a song that has the same melody as the chorus of I'm Too Sexy, uh, is that okay with you? And they had to approve it. So I know in the realm of strictly music, it is oh, like I know, really for sure. Approvals, are, approvals are essential for music, absolutely. But for a music video, I don't know. I... Yeah, I don't know. So maybe I won't dabble in that too much, but I, I just wanted to say that I think Fancy more mimics, it mimics a film, but also mimics the aesthetic 
Which... Oh, the whole thing. Yeah. I felt like that also, like, caused trends afterwards for people to really well, hark back also, to that. I mean, it's also one of those weird things where you talk about adding to a conversation. That Lost in Japan has such a different feeling than Lost in Translation. <laughs> and that's kind of mm-hmm. remarkable that you and I can have a conversation about it. Whereas Fancy just kind of picked a movie that sort of already mirrored the feeling of the song. Right. And Clueless is about, like, rich girls living uh, in L.A. Exactly. driving it on the highway the in their convertible. It matched the mood, which made it a really good fit. Exactly. But I almost kind of go, well, I don't know. Are you just kind of stealing, you know, you wanted to make a music video about, like, a girl who's rich and has great clothing and, and has a certain attitude. And you were like, oh, well, Clueless already exists. Why don't we just use all the stuff from Clueless? Right. Is that theft or is that I think that adds to a parody. Com- I would is say it- that adds to a conversation. I would say, but yeah, it, well, whether parody it, so or not. Whether paired or not, it adds to a conversation. I also think it brings back an aesthetic that a lot of people... I think after that video, like I do remember people really harking back to the look and feel of Clueless in their outfits. Like I, tr- I The truly, 90s are back. Oh, I truly believe that it comes back in that way as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it could have been a parody, but yeah. I don't know. If I think, I think I'm tempted too. to be harder because it's Iggy Azalea. And I think we should just be hard on Iggy Azalea. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't bring us up, up as much. But that was, I gotta give it to him, that was a good video. And so now we go lastly to Countdown. And there's two references. We're not gonna go and explain the entire Countdown video. But the two yeah. references you pulled were Audrey Hepburn's film Funny Face. And the, you know, the choreographer that had called out Beyonce for using her, like, you know, very unique, I would say, choreography in her very video. Specific, very like, specific, modern or contemporary choreography. And not a style, like the actual set the choreography actual that set. she had done for, like, her own piece the or whatever it was. actual set choreography. The first one, Funny Face, Audrey Hepburn, Fair Game. That is an illusion totally. that's... I honestly wouldn't even... Like entertain that because everyone Shawn does Mendes that in the robe and Iggy Azalea in in the everyone does it from everyone does you know that's it and and again Audrey Hepburn is definitely in like the the English language media canon of like everyone knows who Audrey Hepburn yeah is. everyone does that you, stuff like it women are allowed to wear a little black dress and you're not just copying uh-huh. breakfast at Tiffany's you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. I do think now, like, when we're coming into the fair use and, like, what is derivative and what is homage, I do think that, like, Beyonce's team probably borrowed choreography from this individual. With that being said, there are many, and this is in relation to dance, right? Like, there's nothing really else except, well, there was visuals that she used. I will, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are visuals as well. There's, you like, know, a shot through a window. And I think maybe the clothing's kind of similar. It's kind of similar. Yeah, you know what? I I wanted to film well, Beyonce angles, hard, but that wasn't the angles the that they filmed the, yeah. the dancing at Yeah, I thing. saw. I saw the side-by-side on YouTube, and it's very similar. So I, I, like, I just know that Beyonce, though, like, takes shit to another level, like, and puts it in the conversation. So, like, I, I totally hear, like, that artist and choreographer being like, hey, you use, like, a lot of the aesthetic that I had approached for my, you know, video. And I, but also, it's Beyonce. Like, she'll, she'll like, make it into something beautiful. So... Well, it's, I mean, it is kind of a thing of people would say that being like, being like, you should be so grateful, Beyonce wanted to use your stuff in right. the video. Now people know who you are. Right. But they only know who she is because that woman came forward and was taken seriously. 
Yeah. You know, there wasn't like a thing at the end of Countdown or or, or a note that Beyonce, you know, no one, it's all thing of like, you can do Lost in Translation and everyone knows you're doing Lost in Translation. It's not a secret. Mm-hmm. You can do Clueless. It's not a secret. You wear the yellow plaid skirt suit. Everyone knows what you're doing. But millions of people can watch the Countdown music video and have never seen this Belgian choreographer from the 60s. That's very true. So is the question of fair use also a thing of, like, are you stealing from lesser-known artists? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that an important difference between, like, well, Iggy Azalea does it, why is it a problem when Beyoncé does it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just think, but but also, I wouldn't draw that parallel, Kevin, just because I think there are two different situations in terms of, like... I, I think like the well, be- yes, Beyonce is uh, a real, true, legendary once in a no, no. Artist I, I'm, in I'm many saying the, I'm saying the cases. I'm saying the cases. Like, like Lost in Translation and the Fancy Video are both using like big cultural like phenomena for their video inspiration. Whereas we're setting up Beyonce in this music video to talk about smaller artists that aren't featured. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't think. Yeah. Now that no, I reflect on why this is that... difficult, it's because it's not even we're not even placing similar anecdotes. But is that the distinction that explains why this is feels like at least to me it feels a little bit shadier what Beyonce did because she's a lesser known artist? I'm like, well, that's the thing where I go. This kind of feels more like stealing. I will. You know, I would also claim here. I'm going to claim, and I'll stick by this. I think claim. this I, is claims court. Baby. I think Beyonce is like a professional, like not only artist but curator, because yes. there are many videos and many like creative works that Beyonce has done in teams, has borrowed choreography from across the globe to make beautiful works. This ranges from Lemonade to even Single Ladies. Like Single Ladies is from an original dance. By the wife of Bob Fosse, who I forgot her name, uh, Verdon, Veronica Verdon, um, who, like, people know that Beyonce took, like, probably some notes from that, but then also made it, elevated it, and made it her own. Like, do you remember the, the, um, Beyonce's performance? I want to say it was in, uh, like, the AMAs. Mm-hmm. Or like a, I think it was like a lesser performance, and it was for Run the World Girls. Oh, yes. And it had the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she's dancing with the screen behind her. She collaborated then, with an artist for that, didn't she? I don't remember, but it had been done. I think in Italy. I think an Italian artist had done something very similar with one of those things where, you, where it gets to an uncanny level where you're like, it's not just like, oh, you're interacting with a screen. I guess anyone could do that. That's just a technique. It's not like a mm-hmm. element really. Mm-hmm. It was like some of the things they both did were very similar, right? But, but you know, but you're completely right that it's like Beyonce. I mean, the thing that in the un in the unnecessary wars of who's better, Beyonce or Lady Gaga? They're both amazing. We should be lucky to have both of them. The the one thing that's true is like, oh well, Lady Gaga writes all of her songs at least partially. She's always partially in the room for that. True. Where Lady Gaga, where Lady Gaga, where Beyonce famously kind of has these writing camps where she mm-hmm. makes people go off in teams, and I don't. I, did SZA write on Lemonade? Am I making that up? No, uh, SZA wrote on Anti. Oh, wrote on Anti. You're right. But she only featured, well, I think SZA only really featured into one song for Anti. But Brianna. someone, but like some uh, songwriter wrote, or did some interview talking about writing Lemonade and like went out to the Hamptons and was with, there was like a little camp of like six other songwriters and all they did was sit around all day right. and try to write these great songs. Which the a, lot of of Beyonce, a lot of artists do. Which a lot of artists do now. Absolutely. Right. But a lot of artists are not Beyonce. 
and they don't get oh. the acclaim and the fame that Beyonce gets Absolutely. for doing them well. Because and I totally think mm -hmm. it is fair to credit her for being a great curator and being able to pull those things together. But at what point does she owe it to be like, well, Lemonade's great, but I didn't write a word of the lyrics. Well, hold up, hold up. And hold what, up, and like, up, how does that relate to delivering the lyrics? Hold. To actually be the one to sing it, to actually swing the bat, you know? Yeah, but I do think Beyonce doesn't just like, not, I say curate, but she doesn't just curate. Like she does, she, Beyonce does partially write she, she, here's what I'm going to finally say. I think it's okay for Beyonce to do these things. And in my personal view, because she elevates the artwork and she elevates totally. always and consistently will elevate the art form. And it, like, it's similar. It's similar to many artists, including Kanye, who like people will always say that Kanye is one of the best collaborators. Like he doesn't just produce, like he gets the best minds in a room to also create good music. Right. And that might be, I mean, and arguably that is the thing that like makes a truly great musician or a great artist is that you get the other minds in the room. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you see, I mean, let's get really fancy. Let's make references to contemporary art with Jeff Koontz having a factory that makes some of his art. Like he doesn't actually make the 3D sculptures right. of his hands. He right. forms it out. I mean, Andy Warhol with the, um, with the, with the Campbell soup paintings mm -hmm. and with the, um, the the screen printed T shirts that he would just have the war. What was it? It was like the Warhol factory or the the, the Fame factory. Or I, that's a Lady Gaga. <laughs> I don't remember. I think though it's funny you bring up Coons because he actually lost a huge case against him for actually imitating a painting in one of his sculptures. Isn't that wild? I mean, I mean it. I mean it's the it's the whole fascinating question of like ownership of art and giving credit mm -hmm. and in a world that's more collaborative than ever. When is it fair use? When is it parody? When is it homage? When is it theft? When is it elevating a thing? Mm -hmm. And also, it's a whole thing of, like, all those writers who wrote for Beyonce, I don't think any of them are like, Beyonce stole from me. I think they're like, it was an honor to be picked. Right, because she, because it's a collaborative team. Like, Lemonade was a team. And I don't know. It's just very interesting. And somehow this this ties back to uh, Lost in Japan being a Lost in Translation um, tribute? Video? I mean, you know, homage, tribute, copy, theft. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I just, I just think it, it, and and it's interesting. Like you and I know, like the nuances of the music industry's, um, like rules. A on, little bit. A I little mean, we bit. know. No, we're not experts. We never more said than we the were. average bear, but not experts. <laughs> we never said we were. That's why this is fair use. We're not experts. We're amateurs. We're amateurs. <laughs> but in music videos or like in the visual format, I have no clue. Well, that was Lost in Japan by Shawn Mendes. Whoa, wait. We're at the end of this episode, huh? This is a... We are at the end of this episode. Wow. I thought this episode was going to be, like, fun, but really it just gets... It just got me, like... It got me grinding my mind and, like, grappling a lot with things. If if he hadn't made this music video, we would do, be doing one about that it should have been made, and mine was so fun. It involved stewardesses uh, doing choreography on those little moving sidewalks, and oh my god, it was adorable. The one I had in my mind was adorable. But now we have to sit here and talk about the nature of art. I mean, ugh. ugh. That was Lost in Japan by Sean Mendez. I'm Jose. And I'm Kevin. And this is Music for Your Eyes. Bye! Bye!
You want to get lost in uh, lost in Japan? <laughs> oh, I want to get lost in Japan. 